I want to prepare you for tonight's worship experience from the Sanctuary of Times Square Church with C.C. Winans and the Times Square Church Choir. It's going to be 7 p.m. tonight on the TSC website. You can go to our YouTube page or even our Facebook page. But I not only want to prepare you for tonight, I also want to prepare you for heaven. And even just as importantly, I want to prepare you right now for every day. I want you to follow with me because the enemy, I believe, has limited praise and worship to a time constraint one day a week at a certain time on a Sunday that we seem to get to worship. And it only happens when music and musicians play and lead us. I want you to hear me carefully. Praise and worship is larger than a day. Praise and worship is larger than a place. And praise and worship is larger than singers and musicians on a stage. This is so important for us because I believe praise and worship is for, you ready for this? Everyone, everywhere, every day. I want to say that again. Everyone, everywhere, and every day. We're going to key on that because praise and worship is a weapon. I believe as our voices raise, the enemy's voice gets lower. It gets drowned out as we start to lift up Jesus As the church begins to praise who he is, I believe the enemy's voice begins to dissipate and get lower. Listen, it's only when Jesus is the focus that worship becomes a weapon. And our challenge as a church, our challenge as the church around the world is everyone, everywhere, every day with one focus, and that's the Son of God. And this is what makes this so important for us today. That's why I want us to pray as God is going to prepare us, not just for tonight, not just only for heaven, but for every single day. Father, may your Holy Spirit guide these next few moments as we begin to unlock your word to show how important praise and worship is for your church, for your people, everyone, everywhere, every day. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you this, that there is coming a day where all the preaching will stop. Sermons will be finished. Prayer meetings like we have on Tuesday night with our overseer, Pastor Carter, they'll no longer be needed. Evangelism will be useless. And it's the day that we enter into eternity. It's the day that we go to heaven. And on that day, there is something that we do right now that will continue on through eternity. In fact, it is even happening right now. And it is praise and worship. Praising God will never stop for all of eternity. We will praise him, hallelujah, forever. And I have to say, if you're uncomfortable worshiping right now, man, heaven is gonna become uncomfortable. You gotta get used to it now, and that's why this is important for us. Praise is happening now in heaven. In fact, tonight, tonight as we worship, um, you're gonna hear our choir as we sing worthy of it all, which comes from Revelation chapter four. And there's going to be that part in the song that's going to come from Revelation four, eight. It's going to say day and night. They never stop saying holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. And the, and, and John the revelator goes on to say in verse nine, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, whoever, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. 
They lay their crowns before the throne and they say these words, you are worthy. Tonight, we're gonna say you are worthy of it all. Our Lord and our God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will, they are created and they have their being. I want, I feel so prompted to stop right now for just a moment because I believe as I, as I started to say those words day and night, um, or night and day, as they started to cry out, holy, holy is the Lord. My mind goes back to a moment where there was another cry that was happening night and day. And it wasn't in heaven. It was in a, it was in a graveyard. It was a man that the Bible says had a legion of demons, which could be anywhere from three to 6,000 devils inside of a man that night and day, the Bible says, he would cry out in Mark chapter five, verses three through five, night and day, it says amongst the tombstones and in the hills, here's what it says. He would cry out and cut himself. I, I feel so prompted to say this. Night and day, he was crying and cutting. That someone may be listening right now that day and night there's crying and even maybe cutting to try to relieve the pain. And I'm here to tell you today, today can be a change. There is someone that can change it all. That the cry that is going out day and night now are gonna begin to not say, what's gonna happen to me? Where is my future going? But it's gonna be holy, holy, holy. I was created to worship you. I was created for your purpose. And if you're listening today, I wanna tell you, God wants to turn that day and night cry and cutting to praise and worship today. I believe that can happen. You may be listening wherever you're at around the world. I'm telling you, even parents that are listening and going like, my son, my daughter, is crying and cutting. I want to tell you, God can set free today. And this is, this is that day. A man with a legion of demons was set free in Mark chapter five. And you can be set free today. Just hold on because God is going to do something very powerful. When I read that Revelation chapter four passage, I'm reminded there will never be a day when praise will cease. Day and night, they never stop. They never stop. And we should join the day and night, the never stopping praise that happens. See, the moment we are saved, born again, we become worshipers. I love what the great Christian writer A.W. Tozer said. He said this, if you're not worshiping God on Monday, the way that you did the day before, perhaps you're not worshiping him at all. That's powerful. And then he says this, go to church once a week, and nobody pays attention. Worship God seven days a week and you become strange. I wanna get praise and worship into my seven days a week. Hey, I'm signing up for the strange club because I want it to happen seven days. I want day and night crying out, holy, holy. I want you to get that, join that club. Everyone, everywhere, every day with one focus. See, worship doesn't happen when a choir, a band, or some guy is on stage with a guitar, it happens when we see the glory of Christ. I love what the early church theologian Augustine said. He said, a Christian, these are great words, a Christian should be a hallelujah from head to foot, head to foot every day of the week with Christ as our focus. And that's why if Christ is our focus, this is why G.K. Chesterton's words are such an important warning for us. He says, when man ceases to worship God, he doesn't worship nothing, but he ends up worshiping everything. That's, that's important for us to know. I, I, I've, I've watched even the church begin to lose focus on that. 
I, I remember this to this day. When we lived in Detroit, I remember taking my children um, w- w- that were very young at that time to the Detroit Zoo because they just built a multi-million dollar polar bear exhibit. It's one of the first of its kinds in the world. And it was tunnels that you'd walk through with a glass bottom um, that you could see the bears literally swimming over you. Their giant paws that, that, that were huge swimming over you. And I thought, this would be amazing to take all of our children there to see this. And as you walk underneath this glass bottom and see God's creation, these polar bears, beginning just to just to swim right above your head just just a few feet above your head and I which which they said they did this because no one has ever been that close in any of the exhibits in zoos I'll never forget my son who's now in college the one thing he saw on the water were four giant green rubber balls that the bears would play with and the only thing my son was asked about was not was not anything about a bear, the exhibit, anything about uh, what God's creation there. It was this: where, where can we buy those four green balls? Where 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 is, do they sell them in the store, it, folks? There was nothing. It was this cheap green ball, and that was the only thing he focused on amongst millions of dollars. God's incredible creation, and it was four green balls. That became the focus of his attention. And I have to tell you, it's so easy for the church to begin to focus on the wrong thing. You can focus on songs. You can focus on a stage. You can focus on all the peripherals. And I'm telling you, those are green balls. Those are four rubber green balls. God has to be our focus. It's not about singers or a song. That's, that, that's nothing. It's worth nothing. Jesus is that million dollar exhibit. He's the one that we've come to worship. George Barner, who's the, the religious poster, the iconic religious poster, says that, that the main reason millions of Americans seem to be going back to church every week, this is what he wrote in his report. You ready for this? Is not to worship God. These are his words, not mine, but instead to have a pleasing experience. He goes on to say that Americans now go to church to satisfy or please themselves and not to honor or please God. Folks, this is focusing in and missing the million dollar exhibit, who Jesus is, the the work of God, the person of God. And that's why one person said it like this, most Americans tend to worship their work, work at their play, and even to play at their worship. Let's not play at worship. That's why I wanna speak to you today about everywhere, every day, everyone with one focus. I wanna take you just on a, a simple journey I want to take you into Psalm 150, and I want to show you the everywhere and everyone. Then I want to go into Psalm 34 to show you the everyday. And then we're going to close with John 4 that sums up all those, those, those everywheres, everydays, everyones, and shows that worship, the weapon of worship. So let me take you on a journey, and let me take you to the largest book of the Bible and to the last chapter of the largest book of the Bible. This is how Psalm 50s, this is Psalm's finale. This is chapter 150 of the book of Psalms. Listen to what he says. This is David saying his final words after 149 chapters. He finishes up in 150 with these words. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. 
Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with a trumpet sound, with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. It says, then let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And the final three words of David's psalm is praise the Lord. This psalm, this chapter in Psalms is packed with where, why, and how, and even the who of praise. Let, let me just let me just kind of go through a little bit of this with you because as we begin to look at this finale of David's Psalms, it, it's the where we should praise him. Verse one says, praise God in his sanctuary. And, and let me just say this, we are getting ready to do that on September 12th when we reopen after 18 months for in-person services. Cindy and I can't be more excited about September 12th after 18 months of being closed down because this is what the Bible says. Praise God, praise him in his sanctuary. And some of you may be listening today saying, see that? How can we worship without a sanctuary being open? Okay, let's just all relax. Let's finish the verse. Praise God in his sanctuary. Here it comes. And praise him in his mighty expanse. The, the message version will define mighty, mighty expanse here. You ready for this? Praise God in his holy house of worship. That's 51st and Broadway or wherever your church is. And then it says, that, says this, praise him under the open skies. L let me help you with this for just a moment. Open skies. What does that mean, Pastor Tim? If you can see the sky from your house, then you can praise him. If you can see the sky from your car, you can praise him. If you're on a plane and you can see the sky, you can praise him. If you can see the sky outside of your, your office window or off the, your retail job that you're working, you can praise him. You can praise him everywhere. Don't say that because we don't have a sanctuary, we can't praise him. The second part of Psalm 150 verse one says, if this, you can see the sky, then you can praise him. The enemy has made the people of God think that closing down the church has closed down praise. Closing down the sanctuary for 18 months has closed down worship. Ridiculous. In fact, get ready for this special bulletin, people of God. Here it is. The sanctuary will be closed for 18 months, but the mighty expanse is still available to worship God. Don't tell me we can't worship him. I see the sky today. I can lift my hands and say, I can worship him because we have to break the boundaries of the sanctuary and the stage of simple musicians and music and realize that worship can happen everywhere. If I could see the sky, I can worship him. Satan wants us to think that without a church and without a service, that means we're without worship. Praise and worship is not an event on Sunday. It is a lifestyle, a spiritual weapon for every day. Verse two is so powerful. Why praise him? Here it is. We praise God for what he has done and for who he is. See, Psalm 152, get this now, is content for our worship. Here it is, Psalm 150, verse two. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. You know what David was saying? Mighty deeds is what he has done. Excellent greatness is who he is. He was teaching us something, that the better we know God, the better we worship. 
See, the revelation of who God is and what God has done is the fuel for the fire of our worship. Let me say that again. The revelation of who he is, what he has done, that's what fuels our worship. In fact, we can right now just take a quick praise break. Wherever you're at, if you're sitting at home, if you're, if you're in a car, if you're, if you're waiting in an airport and you're on a subway right now, wherever you are in the world, if you're able to, man, you could just lift up your hands and just say this, God, I praise you. Here it comes, the content for who you are and what you've done. You are good. That's who he is. And you can lift up the other hand and say, for what you've done, you've done good things in my life. God, I'm alive. I'm breathing. God, you've, you've given me a family, a place to stay. You've provided for me. Who he is, you're good. What he has done, you've done good things for me, my children, my family. You've kept me. See, that's what we do when we praise. It's the content, who he is and what he has done. Verses three through five is how do we praise him? See, David is showing us the importance of even music. That music is an aid, but it doesn't mean it's the only aid. But he says, praise him with the trumpet, praise him with a harp and lyre, the timbrel, dancing, praise him with string instruments and pipe, praise him with loud cymbals and resounding cymbals. He says, there's, there's things, the music, we can use that to praise him. It's, it's important to have that. And then it says this, my, my favorite part, who is gonna praise God? And that's verse six, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's as simple as this. If you're breathing, then we're to praise God. Or let me put it to you this way. Breathing is the criteria of praise. That's it. You need, you'd say, oh, I don't sing very well. It doesn't matter. Can you breathe? If you're breathing, then we are called to praise. No one is excluded from praising God. All are included. Or just to be clear, here's how the message puts it. If you're really not understanding it, let every living, breathing creature praise God. Everyone, everywhere, all of us are commanded to praise him. Everyone, everywhere, open sky, the mighty expanse to everyone that is breathing every single day. Why every day? Because praise, God knows this. He's giving us a spiritual weapon. Praise is a weapon that the enemy wants you to think it's only for Sunday and it's only for a building. He is distracting us from using a weapon every day and everywhere. See, praise is not a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. This is the Psalm 34 part. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. All times is what he says. Perhaps you've heard this saying, there are two times to praise the Lord. You ready for this? When you feel like it, and when you don't. Any other time, you don't have to praise him. Let me just tell you, basically what that means is every day we are praising him. In other words, God is worthy of our praise at the best times and the worst times. That means all the time. See, praise, my praise, your praise to God, it's not dependent upon me, how I'm feeling. It's not dependent upon my church, music, or even my feelings. In fact, Psalm 48 verse one tells us, why we praise. It says this, great is the Lord, here it is, and greatly to be praised, which means this, if God is great, then my praise is great. Did you get that? That my praise matches his character. That who he is determines how I praise. How I feel doesn't determine my praise. 
I heard one preacher say it like this, the biggest obstacle to making Christ magnificent in worship is the refusal to make yourself small. Let me say that again, that the biggest obstacle to making Christ magnificent, the one focus is the refusal to make yourself small. See, that's why his greatness dictates my worship, not my personality, my preference, or what I feel comfortable with. Oh, this is this may be picking at a few. It's not my church denomination that ter- determines if whether I'm part of a denomination that says you can lift hands, you can't lift hands, you can dance, you can't dance. My background, my culture, tr- cultural history, it doesn't determine my praise. All those things, get this, are irrelevant when it comes to worshiping and praising God because praise finds its source not in music, a style of music, it finds it in God. It's not great music, but a great God that causes me to worship. If God is great, then he is greatly to be praised. Pastor Tim, what if I don't feel like it? What if it's a difficult day? Well, let's take a tip from David, who was known as the worshiper and didn't feel like it. Listen to what he said in one of his Psalms when he was thinking like, man, I'm not up to it today. Here it comes. When my soul, why, why my soul Are you downcast? Soul refers to feelings, his emotions. Why are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Can you worship with downcast and a disturbed soul? Listen to what he says. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, listen to these words, I will remember you. David had to talk to his soul and say, You don't determine my obedience. If I'm breathing, I have a job to do, according to Psalm 150, verse six. If I'm breathing, it doesn't matter. Downcast, anxiety, I've got a job to do. Let everything that has breath, not everything that feels like it, not the days I feel like it, not Sundays, every day, everywhere, everyone with one focus. I have to read this out of the the message. This, This just thrilled my soul. When Eugene Peterson paraphrases like this, he says, why are you down in the dump, soul? Why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face. He's my God. When my soul is in the dumps, I rehearse everything I know of you. I love that part. That's the content. From the Jordan depths to the Herman Heights, everything, everything I know of you, from Jordan depths to Herman Heights, I begin to make that my content to worship. If God doesn't change, then he is worthy to be praised everywhere, everyone, every single day. I I love the story that I heard of a pastor do down south here in the United States. A pastor took over a church that really wouldn't that wouldn't praise every time the music started, every time they would ask the church to praise God and just to worship him. It was dead. It was a dead church. And a pastor did something that is amazing while he was pastoring. One day when the people came to church, they saw on the stage that day, I don't know how he got it in there, a giant boulder from outside and he spray painted on this giant rock and it said these words, if you don't, then I will. Do you know where he got that from? That's that's what Jesus was telling the religious leaders in Luke 19.40. He says this, Jesus said, I tell you that if you keep quiet, the stone themselves will start shouting. No no stone praises in my place. See, because that's, that's the characteristic. Listen, praiselessness, if that's a word, 
praiselessness is the characteristic of the unsaved. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter one. They knew God, but did not praise him or thank him for being God. Instead, their thoughts were pointless. Their misguided minds were plunged into darkness while claiming to be wise. They became as fools. They knew God, but they wouldn't praise him. Man, that's, that's what I don't, wanna, I don't want us to do. Every day, everyone, everywhere, one focus, Jesus himself. I believe this. This, this next statement is so important. I believe worship is an act of war. I believe it is. I believe when you choose to go every day, everywhere, everyone, I'm breathing, I worship. I'm under the open sky, I worship. I will bless the Lord at all times. Worship is an act of war. It's a war against the enemy of our souls. What are those enemies? Satan, the flesh, even religion, this world. I, I was reading this. I, I don't even remember where I came across it. I was reading the story of the infamous criminal, Willie Sutton, who has robbed banks across America. And when they asked him, when the authorities, I believe it was the FBI asked him, and they said, why do you rob banks? Here was his answer. He said this, because that's where the money is. Great answer. Listen carefully. Worship is where the treasure is. That's where it's found. That's where, that's the, the place. Why, how can you say that? Because we're going, when we worship, we're going where God lives. He lives amongst the praises of his people. That's Psalm 22, three. It says, David says, you inhabit, you live, you hang out in the praises of your people. Or one version says it like this. You live among the shouts of praise of your people. Tonight, on Tuesday night with worship, tonight as the choir and C.C. Winans and Pastor Winans lead us in worship from the sanctuary of Times Square Church, I want you to praise him. I want you to shout. I want you to say, I've got breath. I could see the sky. It's everyone, every day, everywhere, one focus, and it's gonna be Jesus. Day and night, we're gonna begin to worship you. I need to worship because without it, I can forget that I have a big God beside me and a big God in me. I love what the Baptist preacher, and this is where part of the weapon is. The Baptist preacher, Harry Ironside, said it like this, we would worry less if we praised more. I believe that. Because once again, if I, when I worship, I remind myself, there's a big God with me and in me. When I worship, I am saying there's a big God with me and in me. And we would worry less if we praise Jesus more. I learned that worship is a weapon. And I want to Get ready to close here. Worship is a weapon in a Midwest church after I finished preaching one night. It was one of the rare times that I traveled by myself to a church. Usually try to travel with someone, whether if it's not my family, then even just with a ministry uh, associate. But I want to tell you about a story that happened to me and then finish and take you to Jesus's teaching on worship in one of the most unexpected places to one of the most unexpected people. I, I believe these words. When we lift our voice to, in, voice to worship Jesus, the devil loses his. When we lift our voice to worship Jesus, the devil loses his. Let me explain. And then we talk about Jesus in John 4. Some years ago, I was preaching in a Midwest city at a church. After I finished preaching, after the altar time was done, people... Um, uh, praise and worship was finished. Everything was done. I'll never forget 
a lady that I felt very uncomfortable with started coming up to me and started complimenting me. And, and, and I thanked her. And then as I started to back away, just going, thank you, and started to back away, I, I felt that, that that individual was breaking kind of that comfort zone, that, that, that zone that started to make me feel uncomfortable with compliments just a little bit too much, that something wasn't, didn't seem right. And I started to feel weird because as I started backing up and no one was there helping me, I was watching that individual keep coming closer and closer to me. And then I started to realize this is not a good situation. And then out of the clear blue, I felt God gave, gave me a weapon to deal with this uncomfortable situation. As this woman started moving closer, I started to talk about my wife, Cindy, and how amazing my wife, Cindy, has been. So as she's moving, I'm going, have I ever told you about my wife, Cindy? What a godly woman. Man, she is a woman of prayer. She's a woman that loves Jesus. She's a woman like Proverbs 3. And what was amazing, I saw it with my own eyes. As I began to talk about Cindy, I watched this, this woman start to back up. And then I started to be on the advance. So as I was going backwards and listening to her talk, I started to realize, remember what we, what we said, when we lift our voice to worship Jesus, the devil loses his. I watched as I lifted up my wife, I watched this woman lose her voice. And all of a sudden, as I started to praise the woman that God has given me, the gift in Cindy that I started to talk, I watched her move back, back, back. And as I kept talking, I'm telling you, she was gone at that point. And I realized that's what praise is. Keep talking about God. Keep lifting up God. That's why the enemy wants to, to, to relegate it to one day, one hour on a Sunday that you sit in a seat to make you think that when the doors of the church were closed, so was worship. I'm telling you, worship, complimenting Jesus, praising Jesus, who he is and what he has done. Then what you do is, you'll always remember this, that the purpose of praise is that God would be glorified, the saints would be fortified, and the devil will be horrified. That's what Jesus' teaching was during his, during Jesus' one and only worship conference. Praise and worship would be a weapon. It would be for freedom to set people free to begin to push the enemy back, to silence his voice. As the enemy approaches, we start to lift him up. And then instead of walking backwards, we start walking forwards and making and, and gaining ground. This Jesus was using a verse or spoke these verses that we associate with music, instruments, a stage, and a worship service, and not with liberty and not as a weapon because there's so much more to these verses. The longest New Testament teaching on worship is from Jesus. And what, and what is mind-boggling is who his audience is. There's not one person at his conference that is the local worship leader or is a musician, um, a keyboardist, or a guitar player. Because worship, remember, the content, the, 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 the focus of worship is not, is not who's playing or what the music is. It's about who God is, who he is, Psalm 152, and what he has done. This is the Jesus Worship Conference that has one attender. I want to read to you about Jesus' worship, uh, his worship um, uh, content. Here it is. He says this, John 4, 23. An hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. I've heard that with music, on a stage, with instruments, that we're going to worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him 
must worship him in spirit and in truth. Why are these words significant? Let me tell you who Jesus is not speaking to. Not musicians, not singers, not church people in a seat before the music starts and getting them ready for Sunday church. Who is he speaking to? An immoral woman who has to draw water at a time of day to avoid the shame and chatter of the town ladies about her promiscuous lifestyle. That's the worship audience. Folks, this, this is amazing. This doesn't even seem to fit the conversation. Jesus speaks to this immoral woman, uh, not about moral living, but about worship. Jesus speaks about worship to a Samaritan woman who is immoral. Think about that. Three huge problems in the Jewish culture at that time. A woman, a Samaritan, and immorality. And Jesus is gonna talk about worship. I'm just telling you, for this woman, it can't get harder than this. She's hated for her ethnicity. She's disrespected for being a woman, and she's ostracized for her sin. And on that day, Jesus shows up in John 4, holds a worship conference. One person and his workshop in John chapter four is not for people who play an instrument, but someone who needs freedom. Worship is about to become a weapon here. It's about to set somebody free. Why is worship the topic for Jesus here? She is immoral. Folks, think about this. Why, why not a sexual purity conference um, or, or sexual purity verses for her? Why worship? That doesn't even seem to make sense. Why would Jesus speak on worship to the immoral woman that has been rejected by her community? Remember, Psalm 152, the content of worship, who he is and what he does. This is what I believe, that if the Samaritan woman can worship, if she can worship, like Jesus is talking about in John 4, and she's saying, because I know who he is and what he can do, then I can be free. Let me say that again. If she, if, if she can worship, she is saying, because I know who he is and what he can do, I can be free. See, the biggest hurdles that you and I face are surmountable because I know God can. I know who he is and what he can do. Jesus was saying to this immoral woman, if you can worship who I am and what I can do, then you can face, and I'm saying not only for this woman, I'm saying to you that are watching, even maybe for that person in the very beginning that is crying and cutting. If you, if you can know who he is and what he can do, then you can face, like this woman, a checkered past, a sketchy present, or a shaky present, and even a troublesome future. Whoever you are and wherever you are, I want you to worship God to understand who he is, that God is love. God is faithful. God is great. God is forgiving. God is powerful. And that who God is, can, he can do something powerful in your life. Who he is can overcome any obstacle ahead, any obstacle right now in your life. Notice what Jesus says to this woman. This is John 4, 16. He said to her, go call your husband now. He's about to, he's about to do something powerful. He says, go call your husband now. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to you, you've correctly said that I have no husband. He says, for you've had five husbands and the one whom you're living with now, he's not your husband. And here's what happens. This is what makes this so important. It seems like the John 4 woman 
is a single woman that goes from man to man trying to find acceptance, trying to find trying to find peace, trying to find someone that would love her, care for her, and be a comfort to her, someone that she could share life with. And right now, when Jesus meets her, she's living with man number six to try to find love, acceptance, and even security. But can I just tell you something today? This, this makes me so happy. She just met in John chapter four, she just met man number seven. Her searching and, and longing is about to stop because she has just run into number seven. Her searching is about to stop because the one she has met is God in the flesh. And I, and I wanna say something to even maybe some single people watching and listening, wondering who or when or if ever I'm gonna meet someone thinking my loneliness or my singleness is insurmountable because of my even my age. I wanna tell you right now, I want you to lift your hands to number seven, who he is and what he can do and realize that no man, no spouse, no marriage, not even children that can come from a marriage can do for me what Jesus can do. See, marriages go bad when you look to a mate or a marriage or even a child to give you what only God can give you. She is, she is found number seven. Oh, that, that, that we all have to stop and find number seven because one through six have been a train wreck for her. She's still alone. She's still going at a time that nobody, no other women are there. She's still rejected by her community. And really one through six, for her, it was men. For some of you that are watching, it could be a whole bunch of other things. Be, it could be relationships. It could be going from drugs or addictions. It could be going from job to job, trying to get more money and more money. And I'm telling you, those one through six things that you're trying to find hope and acceptance and love and even significance in, I'm telling you, is, an, is, a, is a train wreck. It's a dead end. And today I want you to meet number seven. Today, I want you to run into Jesus today. Regardless of what your obstacles and your hurdles are, today, today, he met a woman who was alone, rejected, and searching. And that day was going to be a day of worship for her. Nothing would thrill me more than for some of you to find number seven today, find Jesus today, to have a new birth today. That just as you were born physically, today could be a day that you are born spiritually that at seven o'clock tonight when the worship starts, you'll be able to go, I know who he is and I know what he can do. And today he turned my life around. I ran into number seven, the one that may be cutting and crying. Today, he turned my life around. Whoever you are, from a businessman or, or an athlete, whether you're a college student, whoever you are today, a single mom, it's number seven that we have to find. And Jesus refers to that relationship with number seven as being born again. And it's, and you join the everyone, everywhere, every day with one focus, and that's Jesus himself. And whoever you are and wherever you are, today could be a brand new day for you. And it's the most important question I can ever ask you. And that's this, have you been born again? Pastor Tim, what does that mean? That is the brand new relationship with Jesus. That's, that's where it all starts. That you get, you get to, when life is over here, you get to join the day and night worship service that's going there. You go from one worship service here to a worship service for eternity. See, Jesus said this in John 3, 3 and John 3, 5. He said, no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. No one joins that worship service. No one goes to heaven just by simply being a good person. Because if I was to ask you, how do you go to heaven? If you say, well, I was baptized or I was confirmed or I'm a, I'm a good person or I go to church. All these things are good, but that's not what Jesus said. 
Jesus said, unless a man or woman is born again, he can never see the kingdom of heaven. And today could be that born again day for you. Today, just as you were born physically, today you need to be born spiritually. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? We'd love to say it's as simple as ABC. I wanna make it as simple as I can. It's A, and each of these letters representing a word, A, admitting that I'm a sinner. It's when I get honest with God that all of us have a condition called sin. Can't be fixed with a promise, a program. It's not a pastor that can fix you or a priest. We need help to fix this. I'm broken on the inside. The diagnosis is sin. And I have to admit that I'm a sinner. That's what God says. As one, one man said this, he says, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior. We need more than a second chance. We need a second birth. Well, how does that happen, Pastor Tim? That's the B word. That's believe. Believe that God sent his son. Number seven, to fix our sinful condition because I can't fix myself. If we could fix ourselves, then God putting his son, sending his son, wouldn't even have made sense. Why would Jesus have to come, die on the cross, rise from the If God goes, hey, just be a good person, you'll get there. I can't fix myself. I, 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 if I could get to heaven by being good, then Jesus would never have to die on the cross. But Jesus dying on the cross for me was Jesus saying, I will, I will bear your sin. I'll be your sin bearer. I'll pay the price for you. He died the death that I should have died lived the life that I couldn't live and gave me a reward, forgiveness in heaven that I didn't deserve. And finally, it's confessing Jesus as Lord. God did not send a son to die on a cross, from, to come from heaven to earth, to die on a cross, resurrect, to simply say, I want you to be in church for an hour or two hours every single week. He wasn't coming to get your Sundays. He was coming because he loved you and wanted your life. He didn't want to spend two hours with you on a Sunday. He wanted to spend eternity with you. And it has to start here. When you confess him as Lord, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, he is now the boss. He's in charge now. Religion asks for a day a week. A relationship with Jesus Christ asks for every day of the week. Because Christianity is not simply coming to a place because the place was closed for 18 months. Christianity is coming to a person and that person is Jesus. And today, this can be your second birth date, your born again date to start a relationship, to become a worshiper, everyone, everywhere. Let me just tell you, and, and every day, the Bible tells us in Revelation 5.13 that John says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and see, and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise, honor, glory forever and ever. You know what, you know what he was saying? That one day, everyone's gonna worship. And your choice is I can do it voluntarily or I'm telling you, one day you will bow before God. And today, let's, let's make the decision for number seven, like that woman did in John 4. Today is the day that says, I give you my life. I wanna be born again. If that's you, wherever you're at, I want you to pray a prayer with me to start a journey with God, to start a journey like this, like this woman did, to find number seven, to say one through six, whether that means people, years, um, opportunities, None of it delivers. The only person that can deliver love and acceptance, forgiveness, and future is God himself. It's a relationship with Jesus. And it starts by being born again, a spiritual work on the inside. If that's you, wherever you're at, whether you're watching and listening from a, from a college dorm in, in Prague or in London, in Manila, down in Sao Paulo, Brazil, wherever that may be, or right here in New York City, God wants to come in and change your life. 
God wants to do it. Pastor Tim, what do I do? I want you to pray with me right now. If you can pray out loud, I want you to do that. It could be a family praying together. Wherever you're at, I want you to pray with me. Come on, say these words out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on now, say it with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.